Hello, listener, and thank you so much for joining us today on the Teaching Abroad pod, where we discuss all things TESOL from travel adventure stories and food recommendations to teaching tips and job search advice. We will be releasing new episodes every two weeks, so do be sure to like and subscribe so you don't miss any new episodes. You can find us on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or pretty much anywhere you can find your favorite podcasts. This week, our regular host, James Davis, is unfortunately far too busy to join us, so standing in will be a cheap facsimile, myself, Roland Lomas, and my colleague from the Oxford Seminars Job Placement Service, Alex Yaland. How's it going, Alex? Good. How are you doing, Ron? I am doing very well. So, unfortunately, uh, as I said, James is not here. We'll try and do our best to keep people interested in what we have to say but it is a very interesting topic for today's show which is coming to you on September 8th. We're going to be talking about the current state of affairs for teaching abroad in terms of the world's top teaching destinations. What's new, what's changed, and how the pandemic has impacted opportunities for teaching English in these sought-after countries. We'll look back at 2021 for the most part, maybe a bit ahead to 2022, and try and give you a sense of how the global teaching landscape has been impacted by the pandemic this past year, um, as well as hopefully some brighter prognostications for the year to come. So yeah, Rowan, it has been a uh, an interesting year. 2021 has raised a lot of important questions in the minds of those thinking of traveling overseas and definitely those thinking about teaching abroad and um, especially pertaining to uh, COVID-19, the restrictions. So we're here today to talk about uh, what's been going on, hopefully provide some useful information and answer a few of these questions that people have, such as, for example, are schools even hiring? Uh, Which countries are still processing work visas and which aren't, and do you need a COVID-free test? How long do you have to quarantine upon arrival? And all the other questions that have sort of become so familiar to us over the course of the past year. And I have a feeling this episode might be a bit of a good news, bad news story. So I thought, let's do the opposite of what they say doctors do. And we'll start with the good news, since we could probably all use some more good news at this point in 2021. So let's start with maybe one of our top good news stories this year, which is the very popular teaching destination of South Korea. So Rowan, uh, could you tell us a little bit about the situation there? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you and I both taught in Korea at one point or another, right? As have quite a high percentage of expat teachers abroad, really. And that's for good reason. They offer some of the best benefits out there. And thankfully, Korea has been kind of a bright spot throughout the pandemic. They never really stopped hiring foreign teachers and are, um, you know, definitely still still sponsoring visas and whatnot. There are fewer positions available than in the glory days when I went. Uh, But, you know, there are fewer schools that have the budget for it. um, And more teachers than usual have chosen to stay on for multiple contracts, but they still offer the airfare reimbursement, the free apartments, uh, which is very good for the pocketbook. And um, yeah, you know, Korea is, as I said, still accepting applications, still sponsoring visas. There are a 
few more hurdles to cross as part of the visa process. So uh, basically, number one, the COVID-free test is required according to our research. Um, all travelers coming to Korea are required to provide a negative PCR test result issued within 72 hours prior to the date of departure. And the nucleic acid amplification test or NAATs such as PT-PCR, TMA, SDA, and NEAR are acceptable according to the government website we consulted. Um, also from that government website, they state that asymptomatic Korean and foreign nationals from Europe and the US on long-term visas are subject to 14 days of self-quarantine and testing at a public health center within three days of arrival. Whereas uh, asymptomatic Korean nationals and foreign nationals on long-term visas from other countries, um, also subject to 14-day self-quarantine and tested at a public health center within 14 days. Uh, in terms of how things are kind of looking on the ground, last we heard, uh, a lot of the classes are online at the moment, although there are still in-person classes as well, kind of um, location depending, and there are capacity limits for in-person classes. Uh, it's also worth noting that due to reduced consular visits, certain aspects of the visa application procedures have been adjusted accordingly, and many consular visits do require an appointment. So that's what I've got for you on Korea. Do you have um, any news on the current situation in Thailand, Alex? Uh, yeah, moving on to Thailand. Uh, everybody knows Thailand. It's uh, such a popular tourist destination and backpacker destination and full moon parties. And as we've talked about before on the podcast, even uh, Thai buckets of dubious alcohol. But it's also a popular teaching destination and increasingly so over the past year, uh, like South Korea, Thailand has kind of been another uh, good news story in all of this, pretty consistently open to bringing in foreign teachers throughout the pandemic. Um, but there have been some changes put in place, obviously, uh, due to COVID and the various restrictions. Uh, at this point in the year, recruiting is really starting up again for the second term for November starts. So now is actually a really good time to be applying uh, to Thailand if it's something that you've been thinking about. So um, some of the caveats or uh, added restrictions for Thailand currently are the COVID-free test is required. That would be the RT-PCR test 72 hours before departure with a negative result. Um, and those arriving in Thailand from May 6 onward must be quarantined for 14 days. We have been told there have been in-person and online classes both uh, available in Thailand, depending on the location. And so one other change that's been in place is before, previously it was possible to do visa runs for teachers currently in Thailand, but now work visas must be applied for uh, in your home country of citizenship. So before you leave for Thailand, you have to apply for your, your work visa. And uh, when you do arrive in Thailand, returning to that quarantine, you must stay at an approved alternative quarantine hotel for the duration of your quarantine. And once receiving the visa in your passport, uh, non-Thai nationals must also prepare a COVID-19 test, the RT-PCR test, a certificate of entry, a medical insurance coverage with a minimum of $100,000 coverage for COVID-19, 
And again, the uh, alternate quarantine hotel reservation must be pre-arranged, pre-approved for Thailand. So there are some extra steps put in place, but um, those steps are to keep everybody safe. And those steps appear to have been working well, because as I said, Thailand has been sort of another good news story like South Korea uh, over the past year. So um, moving on now, let's keep going with some more good news, Rowan. So let's go over, shoot over to Europe. And what about Spain? Uh, can you tell us a bit about the state of affairs in Spain? Spain, uh, yeah, for sure. Sorry, I was just reminiscing about Thai buckets. Haven't had one oh. of those in a while, but um, I'm sure there's lots of good wine to drink in Spain. So uh, yeah, on the good news front, schools in Spain are accepting applications. Um, you know, the typical caveat being a, an EU passport is strongly preferred by schools across Western Europe and uh, definitely Spain among them. Although uh, student visas may be an option for youth participating in work study programs. So the job placement service does have um, a great contact with one such program that is able to uh, bring over youth under 35. So that's, that's a really good option for the non-EU passport cohort who want to uh, experience life in Spain. And uh, they really just hire for September, October starts once a year. That's their big intake for kind of public school, um, school year type contracts. Uh, regarding the COVID-free test that was so predominant for, uh, you know, Korea and Thailand requirements, actually, we've read that all passengers arriving to Spain from the U.S. shall be granted entry provided they show the necessary QR code to the Spanish authorities. And uh, vaccination cards, PCR tests, or recovery certificates shall not be required any longer. So that's a real bright spot for Spain and uh, from our research that uh, that code is obtainable from the Spanish government website spth.gov.es so definitely something to check out for those wanting to go to Spain. Now this new regulation does not exempt passengers on a layover at an other EU country prior to their arrival at a Spanish airport. Uh, from complying with the entry requisites of said country that they may be going through. Uh, so you'd have to check those respective country websites for more information on that. But yeah, good news. Uh, no COVID test required for those coming from the US, no quarantine required either. And uh, from what we heard from our contacts there, the classes are in person at the moment. Now, schools in Spain, do strongly prefer, like I said, to hire candidates who already have legal working rights in Spain, such as that passport from an EU member state, student visa, youth mobility visa, which is a kind of visa that is eligible for citizens of Australia, Canada, Japan, South Korea, and New Zealand who are aged 18 to 30 inclusive. But um, yeah, very pleased to have learned all of those wonderful positive facts about Spain. Um, we were just talking about Spain a bit this morning and uh, wine and tapas and all the world-class cities and destinations. It's really, a, it's a, there's a reason it's like Thailand. It's such a popular spot, not just for tourism, but for 
people wanting to live and work abroad. It's just got a bit of everything, really. Have you been to Spain? Yeah, I've been a couple times. And uh, even though I've been a few times and spent, you know, a, a, a number of months there, like I've just I've only scratched the surface. I feel like you could just go back again and again. Yeah, I mean, I have family who've been there, friends who've been there, all the graduates who placed in Spain, like it's it's pretty much 100% positive feedback about the experience people have there. You know, people can't seem to find a bad thing to say about going to Spain. Yeah, it's like Italy. You can kind of go back again and again and just explore another region and you're never going to run out of regions to, to try. All right, well, before we linger too much on Spain, um, let's finish off with some news out of Latin America. Yeah, so uh, Latin America, there has been some other good news stories in Latin America. Uh, we'll start down in Colombia, which is, again, a sort of increasingly popular teaching destination. Colombia boasts, you know, beautiful high mountain cities, you know, hot tropical beach cities, and sort of Medellin, the mid-range, uh, sort of has a real range of, of locations and climates. It's a very diverse country. And... Uh, yeah, it's done pretty well during uh, the pandemic in terms of being able to consistently still um, accept teacher applications. Uh, so we should probably keep reminding our listeners of the caveat that this, what we're reporting today was based on the research done at the time. And so the important thing is always to go and check with the consular websites of these countries for the most up-to-date um, news, because even by the time we've posted this podcast, likely there will have been changes in at least some of some of these countries. So uh, as of this point, uh, currently no uh, COVID-19 test is the negative COVID-19 test is actually no longer required to enter Colombia. Um, but again, that's with the caveat of you're going to want to check with the Colombian Migración uh, for the most up-to-date uh, information on that. So migracioncolombia.gov.co. Uh, but at the time this we're recording this, it was 48 hours uh, before your flight. Uh, you just had to fill out an online form by the Colombian migra Migración. And uh, yeah, there have been both a mix of online classes and also some in-person classes have started back up. We recently had a podcast with our friend Abigail from Colombia, and so you can go back and listen to that episode for more details of some of the interesting classes that have been running in Colombia. And for additional COVID requirements, uh, uh, you have to ensure that all required visa documents are authenticated by relevant government bodies in the country of issuance uh, before departing for Colombia. So that's the news we have for Colombia. Did you have anything else to add on that, Rowan? Yeah, I'm uh, kind of surprised we didn't get to this sooner, actually, because Mexico is kind of the good news story from the start in that, um, I guess, tourism being such a strong part of the economy there, they never really closed the borders. And uh, our contacts in Mexico have continued to accept applications throughout the pandemic. Basically, the, the government statement was, quote, when entering Mexico and or flying within the country, you'll be asked to please fill a questionnaire, letting the authorities know if you have had contact with and or are experience any COVID-19 symptoms. If planning to visit Mexico, please visit 
uh, basically a website link for their government to fill out the questionnaire of uh, you know what your your situation is when you're going to Mexico on the day of your trip and that is available um, that link on our blog about current COVID restrictions in top markets at oxfordseminars.com slash blog. In terms of quarantine, it is not required. The CDC does recommend that only fully vaccinated passengers travel to Mexico. Uh, so it is best to make sure you are fully vaccinated before going there, but no test required, no quarantine required. Uh, in terms of what's going on on the ground, according to the people we've spoken with there, there are both in-person and online classes taking place, although there are capacity limits for in-person classes. And that work visas should be applied for in the teacher's country of citizenship, which was a, you know, a visa change for Mexico going back a few years now. Um, now, Alex, you yourself taught in Mexico for quite a few years and, and probably still know quite a few people on the ground in Mexico. Have you been hearing anything from your, your colleagues and, and friends there about what's, what things are like? Yeah, I have. They, um, they basically, they were working remotely for a while and I was working in the state of Oaxaca. So this is, the state of Oaxaca is kind of a good example because it's a southern state in Mexico. It's not a particularly uh, wealthy state. Um, so it has a lot of challenges in terms of the public education. So they made a big push in several Mexican states to get all teachers fully vaccinated. So then they could stage bringing the teachers back to work first. Uh, and then now I just heard the other day that they are in the state of Oaxaca, for example, they are starting to, they're going to start uh, in-person classes at 3000 public schools across the state for the fall. So they're just going to have social distancing within the classes and limited uh, numbers of students. But in the, even in the small rural schools, they're actually going to be in-person classes starting back again. For English teachers, uh, the teachers on the ground that I know have basically continued working, but working remotely from home. They're now working back at their, at their schools, but without students. So the students are remote. Um, but the teachers are back at, at their places of work and are, have been fully vaccinated by the government. So yeah, Mexico has sort of done a surprisingly not a bad job um, in terms of, of sort of keeping the public school systems going during all of this. Wow, that's, that does sound like a lot of progress over the last few months. So good work, Mexican authorities. Yeah, good work, Mexico. And I guess before we leave the region, we should talk about Costa Rica because it's another very popular spot, not just for tourism, but increasingly for teaching. So yeah, Costa Rica has been another country in the region, in the Latin American region, which has continued to uh, be able to support English teachers during the pandemic. So the schools are still able to sponsor work visas for the teachers, but the application and approval process uh, is lengthy. And uh, when you're doing a residency application, uh, the application requires some extra steps. You have to print out some extra steps. And um, so a lot of our contacts in the country have actually transitioned to teaching their students online. So they've continued to hire uh, foreign teachers for their classes, for their students, but they've been having them teach remotely um, online. 
And at first, I think they were thinking it would be an interim situation, but uh, we just you we just had another podcast with Lintonia, uh, I guess the last podcast, which again you should go back and listen to. And uh, as Lintonia discussed, uh, they now they're now thinking that it would may be a more um, permanent state of affairs uh, to at least continue some online uh, classes. So as the COVID free test is still uh, sorry, is not required as of October 26, 2020. Um, so again, this is something where, again, the caveat of you're going to want to, you need to keep checking, updating this information uh, before you go. But as of, the, as of the most recent information we found available on the consular websites, as of October 26, 2020, travelers to Costa Rica did not require a negative COVID test to enter the country. Um, and instead of a quarantine, there was a health pass, which uh, in which you have to self-identify, agree that you do not have any symptoms of COVID. So sort of similar to what Ron discussed earlier, a sort of self uh, COVID self questionnaire, and you will comply with a quarantine order if you do contract COVID during your visit. But again, for most of our teachers recently, this hasn't been an issue because they haven't been applying to teach in Costa Rica. They've been applying to teach Costa Rican students online. And um, yeah, I guess for additional requirements, as of August 1st, 2021, fully vaccinated tourists and all minors will no longer be required to show proof of COVID-19 uh, travel insurance for actually entering Costa Rica. Um, is there anything I missed there, Ron? You probably know more about it than I do. No, I don't think so. Maybe I'd only mention that, um, you know, according to some of our contacts there, while the classes are still online and the teachers can stay in their home country. I mean, the salaries out of Latin America, as you're well aware, are not super high uh, to support one's living costs in you know, America or Canada. So um, since it is actually possible to go there, you know, something that some people have decided to do while well, they don't have to, if they don't, you know, it's not teaching online part-time in addition to their full-time job or pension or something like that. Um, something to consider just going down there anyway and working online from within Costa Rica where there's a, a lower cost of living. But in that case, you would have to ensure that all the required visa documents are authenticated by the relevant government bodies in the country of issuance before departure. Uh, so that's definitely something to discuss with your employing school. Uh, what, what do you need to bring with you in order to get the work visa at some point? Yeah, and um, I think uh, it's also teaching online. It's not hasn't been everybody's first choice. I think a lot of people still want to go overseas and have that experience. But uh, another benefit of teaching online is you, it does allow you uh, to make contact, to make connection with, in this case, like with a school that's based in Costa Rica, start working with the school, start working with their students. And that's still a relationship that you're forging even online. And so at a subsequent date, if it does become uh, safer to travel again, and then you do want to go to Costa Rica, it's nice that you've already established that working relationship with the school. So in some of these situations, even as an interim step, it's still, um, you know, it could still be a useful resource and a useful step to take in terms of your, your teaching career. Absolutely. Yeah. What better way to, to prove your, your value to a company than getting some practice teaching with them, getting to know their methodologies, getting to know their students, um, and maybe being able to join them 
when things open up a bit more for in-person classes inside the country. Yeah, and I think teaching online presents a whole other host of challenges in terms of the actual teaching and how to effectively do it uh, in the on an online platform. So again, there's a lot of skills you can build there, which uh, you know a lot of those skills will also probably transition to the classroom as well, or they may transition to uh, continuing to teach online in some capacity, even once you are going overseas again, which is probably you know going to be part of the story going forward from this whole uh, you know, COVID situation one way or another for a lot of teachers. That is a great point. So I guess, you know, despite all the doom and gloom, uh, there have been quite a few bright spots to highlight over the past year. And uh, so hopefully we've given you some sense of those before we get on to the um, less good news part of the story. But before we do that, uh, let's have a quick word from our sponsor. With Oxford Seminars, starting your new career teaching ESL couldn't be easier. Oxford Seminars has trained more than 70,000 teachers over the past 20 years, and you could be next. Their comprehensive 120-hour program starts with live instruction from an experienced ESL teacher, followed by convenient online modules. If your goal is to relocate overseas, or even teach from the comfort of your own home, Oxford Seminars' renowned lifetime job placement service will get you where you want to be. Call 1-800-779-1779 by September 10th and give the code POD908 to get $50 off your Oxford Seminars TESOL course price when paying in full. If you're too late, don't worry, there'll be another code in the next episode. Now back to the show. Welcome back. It looks like your video issue has been resolved now, Alex. So. Uh, it's good to see you in all your usual glory. That's good news. Uh, it's nice to be back on video, but sadly, we're now at the second half of the podcast, which is the less good news part of the story. So we're looking now at China, Taiwan, Japan, and Vietnam. So these are four really popular top English destinations for English teaching. And so people want to know, and they still want to know, are schools still accepting applications? Are the borders open? If they're not open, is there any chance they may reopen? What's going on? So hopefully we can help answer some of these questions. So let's start with China. Uh, Rowan, what do we know at the moment about the current state of affairs there? Well, uh, we do know that our contacts, at least the the schools on the ground in China, less so the online schools, but the, the brick and mortar schools are accepting applications. Um, and some are even offering higher salaries to teachers who are already in China. So those looking for a new position in China who are there currently are in a great position to, to maybe up their salary. Um, in terms of going to China, it is still a bit, hit and miss at the moment. Uh, some schools have been able to obtain work visas and related required government documents this summer. And a few teachers we've heard from have been able to start teaching in China. More schools, however, have been reporting that new teachers need to have been vaccinated using Chinese vaccines, uh, which are not really in use in North America at this time, as far as I know. So that's currently a bit of a hurdle for Quite a few people wanted to go teach in China at the moment, but hopefully there will be more mutual recognition of vaccines in time for people to go, at least for the spring 2022 semester. 
I mean, the benefits are still great. The free housing, the, you know, contract completion bonuses, things like that. So I wouldn't say don't apply to China for the, for the new year. I would still encourage people to do so. And for those who are able to get the visas, um, at the moment, at least the COVID free test is required. Um, the government is saying all Chinese and foreign passengers bound for China will be required to take nucleic acid and IgM antibody tests and apply for green health code with the HS mark or a certified health declaration form before boarding the flight. And this test must be issued within 48 hours of boarding, as well as subject to health checks on arrival, likely involving a nucleic acid or swab tests as well. And uh, the quarantine is also required, quote, health regulations surrounding passengers arriving from overseas are continuously changing. You should contact the Chinese embassy before you travel if you have any questions regarding these entry requirements, quarantine rules or requirements for individual cities. Following health checks on arrival, you will then need to enter quarantine for at least 14 days. At some points of entry, children 14 and over will be required to quarantine alone, irrespective of whether they test positive or negative for COVID. And in terms of what's happening in the classrooms, in-persons and online classes are happening right now, depending on the location within China. Uh, I guess just before we move on from China, we're talking about uh, overseas positions, in-country positions on this podcast, but there has been sort of a big sweeping change uh, that's affected online schools based out of China. And I know it's been a popular topic of conversation. So Rowan, could you maybe just briefly mention something about that? I'm sure our listeners are curious. Yeah, I did touch on that a little bit in the last podcast, but basically um, online schools based out of China have been kind of caught up in this new um, after school tutoring regulations for K to 12 subjects. So all of our contacts with online schools in China, teaching children have basically said we cannot um, accept applications from foreign teachers right now. Although it shouldn't affect as much online schools for adult students. And um, as far as we've been told, at least it's not really affecting our contacts with in-person positions on the ground in China. Okay, great. Um, well, I'll quickly go over Japan and Taiwan since they're kind of in a similar situation. So for both Japan and Taiwan, there's sort of been a government uh, restriction on, on visa issue, issuance that's been put in place. Um, so for Japan, uh, we're hoping that it might be opened up again for 2022, but at the moment there's a there's a ban on on visas for foreign teachers to enter Japan. So teachers who've applied to Japan over the most of the past year have basically been on a wait list to depart. So our contacts have still been accepting applications and reviewing applications, and even in some cases tentatively offering positions, but they've been unable to move forward past that. So they've left candidates on a waiting list to, to move forward and finalize their positions and their applications. Uh, so you can still apply to Japan. The question is at what point will the government start issuing work visas again and you'd be able to actually travel to Japan. At this point, we're hoping maybe early 2022, we did 
have a sense that with the Olympics this summer, they were going to prolong the visa ban just to try to control the flow of people in and out of Japan over the fall after the Olympics, which makes sense. So currently, uh, foreign nationals arriving from the United States or designated countries or regions will be denied entry to Japan unless they are exceptional circumstances. And again, as with all these issues, it's important to check uh, the Japanese consular websites for the most update visa information. And um, prior to that, from March 19, 2021, all travelers, including Japanese nationals, did have to submit a certificate of negative test result uh, conducted within 72 hours of departure for entering Japan. At the moment, this probably isn't going to be an issue since you're not going to be departing from Japan, but presumably once, uh, once the visa issuing starts again, this will be something like this we put back in place. So basically a negative COVID test within 72 hours of, of departing and a quarantine upon arrival. Um, for previously, the quarantine was a three-day stay at a designated chief of quarantine station, designated facility, um, and then a 14-day stay uh, at your own residence in Japan arranged a quarantine residence. So probably there'll be another quarantine, something similar to that in place for Japan when things do start up again. Uh, in classes, probably be in person and online, maybe a mix, but we're hoping there will be a return to in-person classes. And for teachers currently in Japan, they still have been able to continue with some in-person classes. Um, and so then quickly to touch on Taiwan, it's kind of a similar story, a ban on visas for foreign teachers. I actually just looked this morning and it looks like they're starting to move towards relaxing this ban. They haven't started with work visas yet so far. Um, as of the end of August, they've started allowing students on student visas to come in uh, on a case-by-case -case basis. So they're selectively restarting student visa issuing. So that's a good sign. Hopefully work visas will follow. Again, potentially still for the fall, but probably more likely early 2022. We don't know at this point. Uh, again, check with the MOFA, the Ministry of Foreign Affairs website for the Taiwanese consular section closest to you, and they post the updates there. So for the most current updates, check the Taiwanese consular websites and the MOFA government websites. Previous, previously, when entry was still allowed, travelers entering Taiwan had to pre present a negative COVID test within three days of departure, so similar to Japan. Presumably, that will be back in place, and a similar quarantine accommodation at an arranged quarantine hotel or a group quarantine facility uh, at your own expense for a 14-day quarantine. So presumably that will also be back in place for Taiwan once the visa issuing starts again. And visas have to be applied for in your country of citizenship before departing for Taiwan. Uh, so that covers Taiwan and Japan and China. So that brings us to our last country, Vietnam. Uh, Rowan, do you have an update on Vietnam for us? Well, Vietnam's been kind of a good news, bad news story, I guess, over the last year. I mean, in, early in the pandemic, things were looking really good there, and they were bringing in teachers, and uh, case counts were low, but they do seem to have really exploded in recent weeks. 
and it's just been harder and harder for schools to bring in new teachers. Uh, we do have some contacts in Vietnam that are accepting applications and they were hoping they'd be able to bring in new teachers around October maybe and you know by the new year at the latest so you know certainly if qualified applicants want to apply um, it's worth a shot but um, at the moment government regulations have put a hold on visa issuance kind of similar to uh, Japan and Taiwan I mean the information we had when we were doing our research was that the Vietnamese government does continue to allow pre-approved foreigners and their families in exempted categories, including diplomats, officials, experts, business managers, foreign investors, high-tech workers, and other business travelers to enter Vietnam. Uh, but those travelers were subject to mandatory COVID-19 testing and quarantine upon arrival. And um, the quarantine period was 14 days, according to the latest information we were able to source on that. And all classes, as far as we could tell uh, at the moment, were online classes for people currently in Vietnam. And, and as with many of the other countries we've talked about, it is best to ensure all required visa documents are authenticated by relevant government bodies in country of issuance before departure. Some may be able to be authenticated by home country embassies in Vietnam, but it is good to research that thoroughly with your employing school and relevant authorities beforehand, just to make sure if it does need to be authenticated before you go that, that you've done that. So that's about what, uh, what we've been able to find out for Vietnam. Uh, do you have any advice, Alex, for teachers about to start their journey or thinking about starting a journey for teaching abroad in these uncertain times? Yeah, well, I mean, I think part of the advice is the same advice that uh, we've heard a lot of people give, which is just go for it, just do it. The adventures are still there. There are still lots of great opportunities for teaching abroad, even now in these uncertain times. Um, there's a few more logistical hurdles and things to take into consideration now, uh, health and safety things to take into consideration now. So you have to do a little bit more of your homework, a little bit more research. And I think you definitely have to be a little more patient now. You have to take your time. The applications are going to take a little longer than usual, and they're going to have a few more steps. But the opportunities are still out there. And we're hoping, you know, if we had a crystal ball and it would show us some good news, we'd hope that 2022 will bring a surge of new opportunities as things really start to open up again. That would be the best news case, in which case there would be a lot of demand for English teachers again and lots of new opportunities. At this point, I think the most important caveat and most important thing we've tried to stress here is it's important to get the most current uh, updated news from government official websites and sources. So do your homework, make it a habit just to bookmark the, uh, the consular websites and the government websites of the countries that you're most interested in. Bookmark those and just make it a regular habit to check on a week by week basis for any new updates. And you know, make sure you're getting the updates from the government sources, from the consular website sources. And that's the best place to look. That's where we look for most of our information. And um, so, yeah, do your due diligence, do your homework, but the, the adventures are still there and hopefully there'll be more in the future as well. All right, great. Thanks so much, Alex, for sharing all of your insights throughout this episode and 
Thank you, listener, for tuning in to the Teaching Abroad pod. As always, we'll be releasing new episodes every other Wednesday. If you enjoyed this episode, please do be sure to like and subscribe and also share it with your friends. Remember, you can find us on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, etc. If you have any great ideas you'd like to hear us discuss in upcoming episodes, please do leave them in the comments on YouTube or send them in the comments to Oxford Seminars on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, or email us at teachingabroadpod at oxfordseminars.com. See ya. Bye.